Walk on the Beaver Track, a damn good podcast, bringing you inside the world of OSU admissions and providing you with a behind the scenes look at what goes on in Beaver Nation. I'm Delta Lee, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am one of our regional admissions advisors for Southern California. And I'm Corey Kimmel, pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm the regional admissions advisor for the Portland metro area. Thanks for joining us today. So today, we have a little bit of a different episode for you all. We figured it would be helpful for us to cover all the next steps, things to look out for, to-dos, and checklist items for all of you admitted students out there. We will also be joined later by some folks from housing to talk about room assignments um, and living on campus. Keep in mind that the information we're sharing today is geared towards first-time, first-year students entering with us for fall 2022. If you're entering OSU for a different term or transferring in, some of this information will be helpful, but you will definitely want to check in directly with our office with any questions that you have. For more information, head to admissions.oregonstate.edu. All right, before we get there, though, we have another dramatic reading for you. Today, we are highlighting a double degree program from the College of Business Innovation Management. <clears throat> Here we go. Graduates of the Innovation Management Double Degree Program will gain expertise in developing new ideas and inventions and learn how to take these ideas through the innovation and commercialization process. The intent is to build upon the technical skills developed by students in their primary major while giving them the tools to become more productive and innovative members of the organizations where they work. It will provide students with a foundation in business basics such as marketing and accounting while also building students' expertise in the innovation and commercialization process. It's important to emphasize that this is a double degree program, which can be added to a primary major at OSU. So if you are bubbling over with ideas and consider yourself innovative, definitely check out this program. We chose this program today because this episode is all about managing your next steps on your journey to OSU. So to kick us off, we are going to share some of those action items to ensure a smooth transition to your first year at Beaver Nation. All right, you will want to frequently check your Beaver Basecamp portal. This is where you will find your scholarship and aid information, next steps toward orientation, and any updates or alerts for your application. Please, please log in and check your Beaver Basecamp portal often. Activate and set up your ONID and dual accounts. ONID stands for One Network ID, and it will be your login credentials for many important OSU portals, as well as your university email. Duo works to keep our information safe with a two-step verification process. You will need both to access important OSU sites moving forward. Consider your scholarship and financial aid options. There are many different opportunities to take advantage of, and many of our students will compile multiple kinds of aid to pay their tuition and fees. For more about scholarship opportunities at OSU, 
Be sure to listen to our episodes on previous seasons. We've talked to Heidi from the scholarship office and Keith from the financial aid office. Um, and going back to Beaver Base Camp, track your portal for any updates on your awards. Housing. All first year students that live more than 30 miles away from campus are required to live on campus for their first year. We'll get into all the nitty gritty about housing later in this episode, uh, but just know that it's a big part of your important next steps. Orientation and learn more. All first year students are also required to attend orientation where students will learn more about OSU, meet with their academic advisor and register for classes and get connected with other incoming students. Students will in fact do more icebreakers than you have ever wanted to do in your entire life. Um, but once that registration process is available, it will be linked to your Beaver Basecamp page. Big tip, be sure to sign up as soon as it's open as the dates do fill up. Confirm your enrollment. Let us know you're joining Beaver Nation and save your spot for the fall by confirming your enrollment. You will need to submit your advanced tuition deposit or ATD of $200, which is again, a deposit for your fall bill. Students with financial need may be eligible for an exemption. So be sure to connect with your admissions advisor if you have any questions about that process. If you are thinking of deferring your admission or coming to OSU for a future term, you will want to let us know that through your portal as well. And that's it. Along the way, we hope that you visit campus and get to know who we are and what we're about. A great way to do that is during our orange and black days, only for admitted students, where OSU rolls out the orange carpet for students to learn more about their major, clubs of interest, and just get connected to our students, staff, and the OSU community as a whole. For more info, go to visitosu.oregonstate.edu. We are so thankful to have Caitlin and Brad here to share important information with you all about housing. If you're wondering where you should live or what's a meal plan, we've got you covered today. So before we get into our questions, could you two please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi everybody, my name is Brad. Uh, I serve as the Assignments and Retention Coordinator for University Housing and Dining Services. Um, and uh, so a fun fact about me, my favorite place to eat on campus is uh, the east side, specifically 541. Hi, my name is Caitlin Griffin. I am our other assignments coordinator. Um, and my favorite place to eat on campus is not a specific place, but we have really awesome bakers here on campus. And so you can always find a great baked good. Um, so I'm always on the hunt for the next great baked good to eat. Um, so I can find those at any of the coffee shops on campus, um, as well as a number of our different eateries. Oh, I love that. I have to ask, what's your favorite baked good? 
Um, so I am really partial to blueberry muffins for some reason. I think when I came out here to interview for my job, I had a blueberry muffin and it just like really stuck with me. And so I'm really partial to those, but there's also like our dining team is so creative. Like they will create things around the different holidays that are just very special and very unique as well as meeting a lot of dietary restrictions and needs. And so it's just kind of always fun to just see what's in the cabinet, you know, what's in the container. And you're just like, what do I want to pick today? Like, I think I'm going to pick this. Um, there's a s'mores brownie that's quite delicious. Um, so I just, I'm a baked good person. So give me something sweet and I can find anything. Oh my gosh. Well, welcome to the pod. Um, we have actually chatted about housing and dining in episode 16, but we wanted to check back in. Um, so Caitlin and Brad, could you two maybe start just by sharing any updates around living on campus, especially uh, with COVID requirements and students staying safe while living in our residence halls? One thing that we're really excited to announce is that we have switched to a new application system, um, which really will um, help kind of streamline the process. Um, and so we're really excited to be launching that here in February um, and students to get a new feel of really kind of that just aligns with the look and feel of what UHGS is, as well as something that just looks really simple as you're filling out your applications and going through our processes here on campus. Um, we will have some of our application processes will be date locked. Um, so as we have our process kind of broken out, um, but we're really excited for how great this looks. Brad and I have gotten some sneak peeks and we've been doing some testing and we're, we're really excited about how this is going to look um, for everyone. And we're excited that we're continuing with not um, having any application fees. So students can apply with no fees. Um, they don't have fees until you contract and the contracting process doesn't start till May. So students have ample times as they're making their decisions on where they want to go to school, where they want to live. They have time to figure out and finalize all of that before they even have to worry about having fees. And we're really excited that we can continue with that. And to be clear, there's still nothing up front that fee won't be added until uh, the student moves in in the fall. As far as uh, COVID-19 stuff goes, um, as you all both know, we've been following the uh, university guidelines as far as you know, students be required to be vaccinated and boosted um, and produce that information. And moving forward, we'll continue to follow those guidelines as well as what we see from the you know, from OSU, from OHA, you know, and other local and, and federal government policy moving forward. Um, but as, as far as anything for next fall, there's not any changes that we have to announce at this point in time. Awesome, thank you so much for highlighting that. And if anyone has any questions about what's going on now or has gone on with COVID, you can check more about um, OSU's processes at covid.oregonstate.edu. Since you all are doing the assigning, I'm wondering what are some of the most popular or requested living options? Well, it really depends on what you're interested in. Um, so Brad and I were chatting about how do we talk about this? And we figured the best way is to tell everyone kind of what type of personality you're gonna find. So our campus living is broken up into three sides of campus or three neighborhoods as we kind of like to think of them. So we have the west side of campus, which 
Proximity is very close to all of your classes. It's very lively. There's lots of hustle and bustle. Um, so if you really need to be like in the heart of absolutely everything, the West Side is really going to be where you're going to find your home. If you like a lot of green space, having parking, being close to downtown, hustle and bustle eight to five during admin hours. But then once, you know, administrators go home for the day, having a little bit quiet, a little bit more peace, you're really looking at the east side of campus. And then if you're someone who is really into being around all of the sporting events, you're going to be going to all the different games, you want to be really close to Dixon Rec, we really recommend the south side of campus. Yeah, and so I think if it's like in terms of specific buildings or, or things you might be interested in, um, the west side is home to the residence hall that's on all the photographs, on all the things you see everywhere, Weatherford Hall. <laughs> we get quite a few questions about that. That is uh, for students that are in the College of Business, um, and so it's something to be aware of. A lot of our West Side Halls are major related and, and are uh, locked in living learning communities, which I know we'll talk about later on. Um, the East Side, we get a lot of questions about Tebow Hall, since it's the newest building on campus. Um, but honestly, you know, as I mentioned before, I was a hall director in McNary Hall for three years, and I find that all of those communities, the amount of green space and just the, the beauty that you have around there and the amount of parking, you can't go wrong really on the East Side, to be honest with you. Um, and lastly, I think uh, with the South Side, as Caitlin mentioned, um, Finley is one of our most like, you know, talked about buildings because it was recently renovated. Uh, but a lot of the communities on the South Side have either been recently renovated or are relatively new. Um, and, you know, similar, if you're if you're looking for the noise, you'll know, be able to hear the football games or, the, you know, being able to be around Dixon Rec and that sort of stuff, you, you can't go wrong with any of those options. Wow, that was extremely detailed. Thank you. <laughs> um, I know for myself, and I'm sure Delta gets asked a lot too, I get asked about the chances for a student to get placed in a single. Um, can you maybe just talk a little bit about kind of that assigning process and uh, preferential placement for students that maybe need the single for medical or religious reasons? So on our campus, um, less than 2% of our overall inventory are single rooms. Um, and so that means that most of the rooms that are single rooms are reserved for students that have an accommodation, approved accommodation, and um, whether that's for reasons of disability, whether that's a religious exemption um, that requires them to have that type of space. Um, there are a few communities that have more singles. So our second year and above students do have more singles in their communities. Um, but one of the things that we get really excited about and research shows is that roommate relationship is really important in developing critical skills, um, both in conflict resolution, how to um, work with other students living in those communities. So you will find a majority of our campus is double rooms or triple rooms. Um, and so that makes getting singles very challenging, but we have a robust roommate matching process to counter that. So we know we don't have as many single rooms. So we really wanna make sure our students have ample opportunity to really find the best roommate that's going to work for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And then kind of speaking on roommates, Caitlin, um, I would love to just get a, a quick rundown about how that whole process works. Um, that's maybe the one of the main questions I get from my admitted students. How do I find them? Um, you know, uh, will we like each other? All those kind of things, I guess I'm wondering. Um, can you share a bit more about the roommate search process? Yeah, so we will kind of, Brad and I will break it down kind of into two parts. So the first is that your roommate matching is part of your application process. So like I mentioned earlier, our application is kind of broken down into parts or phases. 
Um, so you'll apply and then we'll have your contract become available and then you'll go through roommate matching. Um, so roommate matching requires you to have completed your application part and your contract, so signed everything by the end of May um, to be eligible for roommate matching, which takes place the whole month of June. So you have a whole month to find your roommates. Um, and what that looks like is you build your profile and you'll answer questions. Do you like to stay up late? Do you like to drink coffee? Do you like to hang out with folks? Um, how do you view your space? Um, do you consider yourself an ally? What does that look like for you? And what that profile will do is it will create a percentage match. And it will say, you know, it will show, hey, Delta matches with Caitlin 20%. So maybe Delta and I aren't a good match, but Corey and I match 80%. So I can ping Corey and we can start a conversation and decide to be roommates. But Delta and I might be best friends coming from school and we know we want to be together. You can also wrap match with someone that you know, even if your percentages don't align. But we strongly encourage students look at what those percentages are based on how they're answering their questions um, because that will help with their process. But again, you have the whole month of June to look and secure your roommate for the next year. Yeah, and what I would add to that is, uh, you know, as far as the whole roommate conversation go, a lot of times folks will come in with someone that they know um, or they're nervous about finding someone and, and making sure that it's the right person, right? Because the expectation is this person's going to be my friend forever. In reality, there are lots and lots of roommate matches that aren't necessarily your best friend forever. Maybe it's someone you get along with and then at the end of the year, you all just move on and that's okay, right? Um, I think that uh, what, what's really important is that you invest in your community overall. Um, the roommate portion is, is crucial to that. But having a good community of network and a good community of support outside of that really determines success in your, in your on-campus experience. Additionally, an important thing to know about all of the halls is that we have staff in all of them that are trained to address roommate conflict. So if you've got a concern, your student staff member, your RA living right down the hall, is trained to mediate those conflicts or to talk through those difficult conversations. The staff will, may also ask you to complete a roommate agreement where you have those conversations with your roommate to determine what's clean, what's noisy, you know, uh, what's too early, what's too late, those types of things. And so there's a lot of it, there's a lot of work that goes into um, supporting that and that uh, roommate matching early on in that connection process. So be very confident. You're, you're going to have a really good opportunity here on campus and, and things are going to go well. I love that. That was great. And I, I did the roommate matching coming in. I was an out-of-state student, so I didn't know anybody. Um, and my roommate and I got along really well. We were both messy people, so that worked out for us. Um, you know, and it definitely was up and down a little bit. So I'm really glad you mentioned that roommate contract because that is something that we definitely kind of mid-year mid had to go back and reevaluate what wasn't working for the two of us. And I think um, that actually worked out really well because we are still friends today. You know, we're not best friends by any means, but um, I still see her anytime that I'm in her area. So just was a really great way for me to get part, to become part of the OSU community as a whole. Um, and something else you mentioned in your answer to are being a part of your community. Um, I did not live in any of our living or le living learning communities, um, but we do have a lot of them and we love to suggest them, especially, especially myself, because I think I could have benefited from them. Um, so can you two chat just a little bit more about what they are, why we have them, um, what options there are, just Living and learning community 411, if you will. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, so a living learning community for us is defined as a floor or a building, basically either a section of the building or a building that has a specific academic focus. So all of the students there are either in a particular college, such as the College of Business, like I mentioned earlier, College of Engineering, the Honors College, or they have a particular focus or interest in a particular academic pursuit, such as uh, our Earth to OSU program, where they're interested in sustainability efforts and those types of things. Yeah, and so basically the purpose of them is to get students with uh, similar academic focuses together who are in similar courses, who are taking similar midterms at the same time, similar tests, all those types of things, um, and provide a co-curricular experience to match that. So students in the halls, in addition to going to similar classes, a lot of times those colleges will be in the halls putting on events. Maybe their student staff, the RAs that I mentioned, are also in those majors, but maybe our sophomores or juniors or seniors. So they might be able to help the students in that, in that living learning community prepare for what's next or what's ahead. Um, and there's a lot of investment of uh, time and support, both in the programs and by the staff in the building to, to support those students. And some of them even, such as Weatherford and College of Business, there's actually offices of you know, academic staff that are in the building. So that's just another um, you know, removal of a barrier to make it easier for students to communicate with their academic folks. While we have the living learning communities like business, honors, engineering, which you would, you know, naturally assume these students would be all very similar. Um, but we also have some living learning communities that also are tied based on identity. So we're going into, this will become our third year of having um, Nia Black Scholars and Monskukum and Indigenous um, living learning communities. Um, and they've really grown and developed. And again, they have a lot of support from the centers. They share common classes. There's a lot of education in them. So when you're looking at your options, you know, if it's something that you're interested in, whether it's something you're studying or whether it's a common interest um, or an identity based, you can find that um, on campus and you can apply to live in it um, and put that on your preferences. And then when we do our assignment process, we do as fast as we can to get everyone where they want to be. Um, it's not always a guarantee. We can't guarantee that you'll get your preferences, but it helps inform us um, as we continue to grow our communities and look at what students need and what students want. With these living and learning communities, um, is there a student that you would recommend live in them or students that you would recommend don't live in a living and learning community to kind of have that benefit of knowing all sorts of different students when they're on campus their first year? So I think it depends on the student, uh, which I know is not really an answer, um, but it's kind of what you're looking for. So we find, you know, so engineering is our largest incoming class of students every year. We cannot fit all of the engineering students into our engineering LLC. We could, if we put everyone like four people in a room, fire cook would not be happy, students would not be happy, it would probably not work well for us. So, you know, there are going to be some communities like honors, business engineering, there's more students for those communities than typically are within those beds. But you also have to look at it from the roommate side. So if you know, Brad and I want to be roommates and we find each other and we match um, because we don't restrict gender matching for roommates. So anyone can live with anyone and you can live anywhere on campus. We don't have restrictions in place. So if Brad and I really want to be roommates and I'm part of the College of Business and Brad is not, we might choose to request something on the east side because we really want to be closer to downtown. We want that green area because chances are we're going to find students that are going to be in similar education. We're going to meet folks 
and classes, and we're going to be able to build those communities regardless of where we live on campus. Um, so living in the LLC is, well, yes, it does give you some benefits, and for some communities and some students, that's very important. For other students, they're going to be able to continue to find those connections elsewhere, and we help foster those. Um, so think of it as what's important to you. For me, um, as a student, I was really more concerned about the roommate that I had than where I lived um, because I wanted, wanted to make sure that I had a good roommate, and I did. I had great roommates um, throughout my college career, but I know that there are other folks that they really care about. Like, I really need to be with other engineering students because that's the only way I'm going to be successful in my studies. So then that's your priority. So when you're roommate matching, you can add those in and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is where I wanna live. You can edit your room preferences throughout the application process to meet that. So Caitlin, while you were talking, I, I did have another question come up. Um, so when I'm working with students who identify as trans or non-binary, um, they do have questions about kind of how gender plays a role in the housing selection. So since you mentioned that um, you know, OSU housing is not necessarily restricted by gender. I'm wondering if you could talk a bit more about that process and how students can feel confident going through roommate selection. Yeah, so we're really excited this year. So every um, year we've had where students can choose their gender identity based on the 10 identities um, listed through admissions. You can find them on our website. Um, and this year we're adding pronouns to our applications so students can put in their preferred pronouns because um, we really want students to feel comfortable here, right? And we want you to find your home. So we need to meet students where they're at. So when you're going through roommate matching, you have a couple of options. You can mark your gender as private, and that would mean that no one would see what your gender identity is, or you can share what your gender identity is. Because we don't restrict our roommate matching based on gender, that means anybody can become roommates with anybody. So, um, you know, if you really want to live with someone who shares the same gender identity as you, you can definitely look specifically for someone who wants that. If you are looking for someone who is an ally or who is also, if you're transitioning and you want to be with someone else who's also transitioning, you can find that. Um, and if you can't find it, you can always reach out to our, our office and we will also assign students, even if you don't go through roommate matching, but you filled out your profile, we will match students the best that we can meeting those preferences. Um, and then we have um, throughout the academic year, we also have our room change process. So if you do get into something and you decide, you know, this isn't really working for me, I need a different type of community or I need a different roommate, we do have the option to change rooms. It's based on availability, so it's not always the easiest thing or the quickest process. Um, but we do, you know, really take that into consideration. So we do have our pride community, um, which we've expanded this year. Um, so all of the housing on one floor now is all going to be pride. Um, so it'll be a mix of some upper class students and some new students that are coming in um, to really grow and expand that program where we're at. All of our halls have gender inclusive restrooms as well as gendered restrooms. So we're really just trying to be very intentional and to make sure that everyone feels welcome and here on campus. That was really, really helpful. Thank you. Um, you know, in terms of where we are, it's we're recording um, in January, but this will probably come out in February. So um, can you just go over a little bit about the timeline or important next steps uh, that these newly admitted students should keep in mind? Thanks, Corey. Our new student application launches on February 10th. 
and the contract will be available beginning May 2nd. So students will need to go in, fill out the application beginning February 10th. Uh, they'll get uh, reach a point where it says, hey, come back later, and then you'll, you'll be able to continue. And then starting on May 2nd, they'll be able to go back in to sign their contract. Lastly, our assignment process will begin in July for everyone who's completed both their application and contract. So keep an eye on your Oregon State student email. Uh, all of our communication will, will go to your Oregon State student email. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Make sure that's set up and check it often for information from us. Especially, uh, we will send regular updates if there is something that's missing, including a, a parental signature. If you're under 18 and you sign uh, an application, your parents need to sign it as well. So that's something that gets frequently missed. You'll want to double check to make sure. We send lots of emails and, and make lots of phone calls, so be sure to check that often. Lastly, visit our website and watch the videos we post. We're going to be launching an app guide in the next couple of weeks as well, the video that explains how to go through that application process. And be sure to follow all of our pages on social media for all of our tips and info moving forward. I just like that was great. You hit everything that I'm ever asked about. So thank Perfect. you. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, as we're wrapping up here, I think the only last curiosity that I have for you all, if you could both share maybe just like one thing that comes to mind, are what are some frequently asked questions that you all are getting from incoming students um, that we're sending to you if they're coming in for their first term? Um, any FAQs that will kind of help other students navigate the process a little bit easier? Uh, one of the big questions that we get every year, uh, you know, regardless of our process and how things are laid out is, you know, how likely are we to get the preferences that we put in in our assignment process? Um, and so we do allow you to have give us multiple preferences and we do our best to meet those preferences. If we can't meet them, we try to put you in the next most comparable. Um, and so when you're looking at your options, uh, the more open you are and the more you're willing to just kind of explore and be anywhere on campus, the stronger your experience is going to be as you go through it. Um, a lot of students, like you're, you're still shopping, right? You're still trying to determine like, is OSU going to be for me? Is it going to be someplace else? And knowing and understanding how transparent um, institutions are with their processes. We pride ourselves to try to be as transparent as possible. Like our our expectations are on the website. Like we try to make it very clear. Like here's our timelines. Here's how, how everything breaks down. Um, we've adjusted our processes. We got feedback last year that it was really hard to do roommate matching. May and late May, early June, because everyone's graduating from high school. So we adjusted that this year, right? And we were like. Fine, then let's just make it all of the month of June. Let's let you graduate and enjoy that time and do the fun thing of finding roommates um, while you're going through that time of saying goodbye to your high school friends before you start your next adventure. And so we're really trying to be really transparent with it. But that's, you know, the big questions that we get are, you know, how am I going to get my preferences? We do our best. If not, we do next comparable. And then we also, you know, are trying to be as transparent with our process. So our website is very detailed. Um, if you call into our staff, they're wonderful student staff who can walk you through everything and answer any question under the sun, um, who are just absolutely phenomenal. Awesome. And kind of going off of that, just to really emphasize this point, if students reach out to your office, can they use their personal email to ask about their housing assignments? Yes or no? That is a great thing to bring up. We cannot talk about their housing assignment if it's coming from their personal email. It's got to be directly from the student's email for us to make any changes or talk any specifics because of FERPA privacy laws.
Awesome. Thank you for that clarification. And again, just really wanted to nail that home. Um, student owned emails, everybody. Check them, set it up, use it. Um, but thank you, Brad and Caitlin. That was extremely detailed and extremely helpful. Uh, before you go, can we get a Go Beavs? Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you can join us for our next episode of Beaver Tracks. It will be a damn good time.